We are continuing our Acts series today. We are over the hump and on the slide down to the end of the book of Acts. And today, we make a pretty big shift in the way in which the early followers of Jesus understood their ministry. We've heard about Jesus' resurrection appearance. We've seen how the church has started by sharing everything together. And then we've heard about those first evangelists outside of the apostle circle, Stephen and then Philip. And today, we go back to Peter. Peter, sort of where it all began, is one of the two main characters in today's reading from Acts. Now, many of you know that I grew up in the world of music, and most certainly in musical theater. And as I was preparing my sermon today, I could not get out of my head the words of a song from the musical Wicked. The words so, I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason, bringing something we must learn, and we are led to those who help us most to grow if we let them, and we help them in return. Now, these lyrics from this musical really get at the idea of what is happening in today's lesson from Acts. Peter, who we already know, comes into contact with a new character, Cornelius. And it's the two of them and their willingness to actually come together, to be together, to learn from one another and their own experiences that really can change them for good. Now, a little bit of background. This reading from Acts, it's so hard to take a little nugget from Acts like you can a parable from the Gospels because everything is in context. And so we've got to start really at the beginning of chapter 10, and I'm going to give you a little background context before we get to today's reading. The first is about Cornelius. Now, you need to know about Cornelius to understand what's really going on in today's lesson. Cornelius is a leader of the Roman army posted in Israel to lead a big section of that Roman army. Cornelius is described at the beginning of chapter 10 as a devout man who feared God with all his household and he gave alms generously to all the people and prayed constantly to God. Cornelius is lifted up, really set up, as a different kind of Gentile, a different kind of Roman than perhaps the ones we have experienced up to this point. And that's very important for us to know. Because one afternoon, Cornelius gets a vision from an angel. And this angel of God says to Cornelius, send your men to Joppa, a city in Israel, and find a man named Peter. And so meanwhile, in Joppa. Peter has gone in order to heal people and to tell the story of Jesus. And as he is in Joppa, having done some miraculous work, he goes up to the roof of his house and begins to pray to God, but he was hungry. And he had to wait until the food was prepared for him to eat. And while he was eating, which I imagine is one of those moments, you know how it feels like when you're really hungry, you begin to get like hangry, and you really, really need some food, and he has a vision while he is that hungry, which I promise I've had those visions too when I am that hungry. But Peter sees the heavens open up, and God brings a sheet down in front of him, and that sheet is filled with animals of all kinds, four-legged creatures, reptiles, and birds of the air. And God says very clearly to Peter, Peter, get up, kill and eat. Peter, 
is a good Jew, and he follows all the good Jewish laws. And if we remember our Jewish friends, we know about kosher eating laws. The implication in this story is that all the animals filled that sheet were certainly not all kosher. And so Peter says to God, Lord, I have kept all your rules, and I will not eat anything that is unclean. Do you get the irony here? He's following rules from God, telling him what he can and cannot eat, and yet when God says, eat that, he says, no, no, I'm following the rules. So God says something very profound, probably the crux of this whole story. God says to Peter, what I have made clean, you must not call profane. Now into these two visions comes today's story from Acts. Cornelius has had this vision, affirming his faithfulness in God, telling him to find this man named Peter. Peter has had a vision saying that God can make things clean. Even those things that you thought were unclean, God can make clean, and so do not be afraid of them. And as Peter enters Cornelius' house, Cornelius asks Peter to tell him the truth of God. And Peter begins to unpack the story of Jesus, telling him all about what Jesus has done and the way it has affected people and the way that people have begun to follow him in brand new ways. And this is profound. While he is listening to this story, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. These are Gentiles. These are Romans. These are unbaptized people. And the Spirit falls upon them because they hear the word. And then Peter says, can anyone be withheld from the water of baptism who have received the Spirit just as we have? And so they were all baptized in the name of Jesus. This moment is often called the Gentile Pentecost. And it connects with what we learned last week with the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch, except it takes the moment of the Ethiopian eunuch's baptism and blows it up because this is so much bigger than one outsider's look at faith. These are people who just by hearing the truth of Christ have the Spirit fill them up and compel them toward baptism to a new life following this person of Jesus. These good people who hear good news are made clean by God. And in fact, isn't that what happens to all of us? Aren't we all made clean by God? And so, yes, this could be called the Gentile Pentecost. That's true. But I think an even bigger truth comes when we ask the question, who is really being converted in this story? Is it the person who is hearing the story of God through Christ for the very first time? Or is it the person who thought they knew exactly what God wanted done. Now, God compels Peter and his companions beyond all the boundaries they thought they had. And we know how that feels. We all know boundaries. We all understand that our world is full of boundaries. No trespassing signs warn people to stay out of certain properties. 
Floating ropes separate the shallow side and the deep side of swimming pools. Lines on the floors of gyms say when the ball is in or out. Railroad tracks can divide the good side of the city from the bad. Our boundaries, unfortunately, too often keep the insiders in and the outsiders out. Whether visible or invisible, boundaries not only segregate, but also function to reinforce, reinforce our self-identity. We learn to know who we are by knowing who our people are and who our people are not. Families, groups of friends, cliques at school, departments at work, denominations of different religious groups, even nations. There are countless ways that we group ourselves and our associations depend on the boundaries that we create to keep those we want in. And yet, here we have a story of the way God is shaping the early church, breaking down all the boundaries they thought were important. Here is God pushing good people to places they never thought they'd go, doing things they never thought they would do, understanding the world in a way they never thought they could. And we should be very careful when we tell stories like this in church. We should be very careful when we begin to understand that God's Spirit continues to push us beyond the boundaries we think we like. Because as Scripture says, the young have visions and the old dream dreams. And they may be empowered to speak truth, to share those visions, and to show each one of us just how much our boundaries limit God's work. Whenever we hear those visions, whenever we are pushed beyond our boundaries, I hope that we have the courage, the faithfulness, and the vision to confidently move where God wants us to move, to confidently connect with those who may have been considered on the outside, and to faithfully shift the way we work to break through all the boundaries we think are important in order to live into the grace and the fullness and the love of God. The old has been made new. And as we see today, it takes trust and faith to follow God and to trust that whatever God has made clean is indeed clean. And whatever God makes clean can, if we have faith, change us for good. Amen.